This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. It's the huge soda. Kim McAllister. Hello, John Daly. Oh, you can see my overhang a little bit. Look at that. We're going to fix it all up. We're ready to go. Hi. Much better. Hi. How are you? That was uh, quite the Friday Fabulous Florida today. It was full of grossness, I have to say. It was nauseating. Uh, it was. I think it goes down in history as the, I don't know, one of the grossest, most interesting. It threw me, it threw me off because, yeah. you know, a lot of times stories that we look at don't make the show and mm -hmm. we had a debate on whether or not to put that in the show <laughs> we did and again i made the mistake this is the story about the the bugs that crawled yeah, up into the, the guy's bugs. Yeah. nose and came close to eating his brains Ew. um and i decided it was too gross it was too gross and mm -hmm. people are eating their lunch so that we're not going to talk about the yeah. details of that any further but yeah i uh no no mm. no can't do it. I have to start start with a, sh a story that really surprised me today, and this is a story about Supreme Court Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Did you realize that? I, I guess she's. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I try. She uh, has traveled with a medic, and I I didn't realize that she was an older woman. She's sixty nine, well, and that's not, that's not old. No, I don't think that's that old, but. Um, they're saying that she is uh, one of the older justices on the liberal justices on the court. And so now people are, some people are calling for her to step down from the Supreme Court. 69? She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 7. She gives herself insulin shots multiple times a day. Um, she took a couple of trips one of them in 2018, where paramedics had to treat her at her home for, uh, well, at her home, they had to treat her in 2018 for low blood sugar. Um, in 2021 and 22, she made at least four trips, um, I guess. Ruth Bader uh, the Ginsburg was 87 when she died. I know, I know. But this is, they're yes. saying she's not healthy, that she is um, at 69 beyond the conventional retirement age, the oldest of the three Democratic appointed justices remaining on the court. And because of that, there's calls for her to step down while President Biden is still in office so that if something happens, we make sure we have somebody younger well, and healthier. Really, that's what's really going on. Yeah, People are they, worried that she'll die. That's right. People are worried about she's her health. She's not too old. She's No, she's just, you know, she's got some health challenges and she's older. And so do you think it behooves America for her to step down and let somebody else come in that's younger so that we assure that we have at least well, some Kim, you know, it's too close to an election. Court. It's yeah. too close oh, to an election to replace course. a justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to wait until there's a Republican president to God. replace our next justice. Sorry. <clears throat> you lose. Anyway, I hadn't realized that she was um, not super healthy. I didn't know that about her. No. So I a lot just of people of, have diabetes. Yeah, Gene yeah. Burns had Gene Burns had diabetes, and right. he sounded really strong and did his show every day. You know, mm -hmm. people didn't know like he had diabetic episodes. No, where no, no. You can live a you can live a fine life if you take care of yourself and you monitor it. And she's had it since the age of seven, so she by now hopefully knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but she's also you know on the Supreme Court in an era which we desperately need the voices of um of reason to stay seated 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in other not so happy news, PG&E. You probably talked about this earlier, but yeah. what seriously? W2F. Mm-hmm. So they already raised the rates, right? They raised the rates that when the, the new rates went into effect January, then even before those rates went into effect, they asked for another rate increase. And then we find out what, what Kim did, what did we find out? We found out they had a 25% increase in profits. They made 2.2 billion in 2023. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, we all can hardly pay our power bill. My mom, her <coughs> power bill. Me. Are you okay? Yeah. Sorry, do you need to, do you need to resign up. from the, the after work, party? Oh, yeah, I, I do. Maybe you had yeah. some medical issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. My mom's power <laughs> bill for a regular suburban home. So somebody on Social Security, her power bill for January, $500. Half of a G. So these bastards can make $2.2 in profit? I, I'm so sick of this. And I'm so sick of Gavin Newsom um, being in bed with them and people not calling. More people should be calling him out. You know, I'm putting these people on the um, what is it called? The um, the 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 uh, CPUC. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, these people that are um, they're power industry people and they just put them on the board and then they just rubber stamp all these increases. It's it's garbage. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so they have we you know, we had a rate increase, oh, right? Yeah. And then while we had the rate increase, there was already another proposal for a rate increase on the table. Yeah, that's what I'd say. And with the CPUC, it's much like the Golden Gate Bridge uh, Transportation District. It's never enough. When when they um, when they give you a rate increase proposal, what they mean is we're increasing rates. <laughs> like there's really not yeah. much talk about it. We're just gonna do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they just want to drain your bank accounts. And you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of seniors. There's a lot of people who can't afford this. Like I yeah. even a, a regular you know middle class working person, working family. Mm-hmm. Can you afford it? Like, it's ridiculous. This company, this is the company that's draining the pockets of seniors. And um, it's just, it's it's sick. And, you know, a lot of people, we mentioned this, we talk about this off the air. People are mad about the the, the stock owners, the stockholders. Mm-hmm. It's not really stockholders here because a lot of the stock is held by pension funds, seniors like my mom, my, my father worked for PG&E. And, and this was considered a safe stock for your retirement money right this was a Mm -hmm. safe dividend stock um and although the dividend has returned what used to be 300 dollars a quarter for my mom which kind of paid her old the old rates paid her pg d bill it's now one penny per share the people who are actually making the money are the corporate bondholders the finance weasels that got in bed with pg e they set everything up so that they get paid first so it's it's all these behind the scenes. It's the executives and it's the corporate bondholders and all the people, the weasels, the Wall Street weasels that are uh, financing PG&E right now. But um, this should make you this should make you livid. Yeah. Beth is right. CPUC is a rubber stamp. Um, and you know what? LA, uh, Eric says nationalized PG&E. They should be nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, L.A. has a municipal utility. Uh, Sacramento has a u- municipal utility. Uh, mm-hmm. Healdsburg does. There's a bunch of cities that do it. And yeah, government-run agencies aren't aren't perfect. There, there's plenty wrong with that. But I'd rather have a not-for-profit um, entity running PG&E or, yeah. or power company than a for-profit succubus like PG&E. <laughs> succubus is about right. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, that's my rant for the day. Move on to animals. <laughs> 
clear out the negative. Where's the sage? Well, yeah, we have to. We gotta, we gotta, you gotta call him out, right? We have to. Oh, you totally Otherwise, do. they're just gonna take yeah. advantage of us forever. Hopefully, a politician will get on there. Sometimes it feels like, though, we bitch about it and nothing changes. Like, no, no one's well, hearing us. Well, because currently, the there's end. nothing you can really yeah. do until politicians change the way the CPUC works. Yeah. yeah. And that's anyway. as voters, we have to demand it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk but in the about meantime, Bobby. Remember Bobby? Another controversy, Kim. Mm-hmm. Bobby was named the world's oldest dog ever. But then there were questions. Is Bobby really the oldest dog ever? Bobby. Bobby. They, in Portugal, di- they say they, they call him Bobby. 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 He died last year at oh, the Bobby. age of 31. Now, most dogs don't live past allegedly. 15. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly at the age of 31. Need, we're going to need to see some IDs. Some dogs will push it to 17, 18, but mostly they die around 14, 15, right? Yeah. Well, Bobby, Bobby, who was awarded the title of world's oldest dog, has now had this title stripped. Oh, my God. This, the Guinness this reminds world... me of, like, the Olympics. Was <laughs> yeah, he doping? No medal for you. The Guinness World Records people did a little investigation after Bobby had some questions about whether or not he was the oldest dog. And now Guinness World Records says they no longer have the evidence they need to support his claim as the record holder. Can you no. imagine having that job? Being an inve- You're like, yes, uh, sorry, banging on the door. Yeah, yeah. Guinness World Records investigators. We're going to need our plaque back. Sorry, you can't have it. <laughs> no. Central to Bobby's evidence was a microchip, some microchip data sourced from the Portuguese government database. Uh, when chipped in 2022, they didn't require proof of age for dogs born before 2008. And with the additional veterinary statement provided as evidence for Bobby's age, also Bobby. citing this microchip data, they are left with no conclusive evidence which can definitively prove Bobby's date of birth. His owner was told about the findings. Uh, they said they'll assess any new evidence that the owner can provide. At this point, it's not clear. Who holds the title of oldest dog? But I can tell you this, it's not Bobby. And, you know, it's one of the age-old questions along with, you know, who let the dogs out? So many, <laughs> so many questions to be answered. This is true. Poor Bobby. Uh, mm. let's, oh, we got another photo of Bobby. Aw. Mm. We have another dog. follow-up story. Remember those parrots that were like, talking they were squawking like sailors with yeah, cuss so words every world, five seconds that was a world's uh that was the world's oldest dog uh follow-up so that was mm-hmm. a, wa- a wad foo right. and this is a, a pmp foo or a pimp foo uh, a potty mouth parrot <laughs> follow-up uh-huh. <laughs> a zoo's potty mouth parrots you remember yeah you know, like you're saying uh, oh, these yeah. were these these um parrots <clears throat> My kind at, of parrot. a, <laughs> at a british zoo yeah i'm parroting what you just said they uh, set a plan to curb the rude habits of their famously potty mouth parrots is showing some promising early results. This is in Lincolnshire. You know where that is? Lincolnshire? Of course. Absolutely. Uh, wildlife Park yeah. uh, over there. They said that its eight profane parrots would be moved <laughs> in with its flock of 92 more polite birds in the hopes <laughs> that the badly behaved birds would pick up some more family friendly words and sounds. It could have gone the other way. I mean, it could have been that the eight potty mouth birds affected the other 92. And then you have about 100 birds that are all that, using the F word. That yeah. was that's their concern. Yeah. They said we could end up with 100 swearing parrots on our hands. Only mm-hmm. time will tell. This is what they said at the time. Right. Yeah. Nichols said the parrots seem to be doing well after a few weeks with the rest of the flock. It's early days, but still, it's been a good start. We haven't 
heard any of the really crude language. Of course, people are still walking up to the enclosure and swearing in front of the parrots, right? hoping that people will copy the words. Um, Nichols said that while the swearing seems to be slowing, one parrot has picked up a different sort of annoying habit. One of them has taken up (laughs) singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas over and over again, (laughs) which is fine in December, but not so fine in February. That's funny. He said uh, signs uh, uh, warning guests of the potential for abusive language from the avians will remain in place for the time being. So in case you had any concern, um, they have that covered. Yeah. Well, it looks like maybe they're cleaning up their act, those parrots, those foul-mouthed parrots. <laughs> I'm surprised Mockingbird doesn't have anything to say about this. Well, you know, I don't believe in swearing. I think it's very crude and it shows your intelligence, or lack thereof. So I like to have a more refined and dignified presence on this show. Well, you know, Mockingbird, I've heard that people that swear are actually of higher intelligence. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> We're moving on to rattlesnakes. Of all the places, yesterday we saw a snake in a helicopter. This one, this is a danger. This woman from Arizona found a rattlesnake hiding under her welcome mat. Imagine stepping onto the mat. Yeah, oh, this, no. this story kind of reminds me of the invasion show, the alien invasion show that I've been oh, watching, Invasion, God. because you never see the aliens for the for the most part at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so this kind of reminds me of that because. You don't really see this guy, it, uh, but he's there. It's a rattlesnake. We're stopping the presses for just a moment to thank Mama Day Three Boys for a $10 super sticker. Party time. Thank you for being the highlight of my afternoons. Oh, Thank Mama. you, Mom. And isn't it uh, your birthday tomorrow? Yeah. Is that what I heard happy, earlier? Happy pre-birthday. Um, thank do you we for have being balloons? with us on the shows. I, do we Kim have has shows? the balloons, usually. I do have the balloons. Let me, Kim uh, keeps the balloons in the closet there. See if I can pull the balloons out of the closet. I'll find them. Hold on. Okay. You Let me get my, uh, my balloons. My balloons. Maybe I don't have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. There we go. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Happy Mama birthday Day to boys. you. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. I'm going to keep Happy them up. Happy birthday to Mama Day Three Boys. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. And Merry Christmas. That's awesome. All right. Back to our, and thank you for that contribution. We really need it. So thank you yes, very much for you. that. Okay. So back to the rattlesnake. The reptile wrangler had to be called out to this house where a welcome mat was found to be hiding this western diamondback rattlesnake. The homeowner in Phoenix got quite the shock when the welcome mat started rattling at her. The snake catcher responded to the home, confirmed the front stoop serpent. It was a western diamondback. They uh, they had to use a pair of tongs to remove the welcome mat and then lift the snake into a black plastic bucket to get it the heck out of there. They took it uh, a safe distance away from the home and released it into a wild wilderness area. You know, snakes, though, they hide under what rocks and scrub and brush and all these things. So it makes and on sense. Planes. Yeah, and on planes and in helicopters, on wires. It makes sense, though, that they would, that the snake would want to, you know, be in a cooler place, maybe mm-hmm. hidden from view, not realizing that people were going to come step. Imagine if someone had stepped on that. And then, of course, it would have lashed out and bitten, right? I'm tired of these mother effing snakes on my mother. <laughs> That's right. Oh no. Tell me about this horse. Yeah, um we love horses, right? Mm, I do. We do. Um 
I'm not going to show you the video because it's KTLA in oh. Los Angeles mm -hmm. and they don't like us and they demonetize us. So yeah. we'll have to go with photos. And I think that's that's OK. Yeah. Firefighters in Los Angeles came to the rescue of a horse that ended up trapped when a sinkhole formed underneath where she was standing. The oh. Los Angeles Fire Department said Lucky, a 20 year old Paso Fino mare, ended up trapped in the heavy soil with only her head and front legs above the surface on her owner's Lakeview Terrace property. How scary. Yeah, look at that. Firefighters responded alongside Urban Search and Rescue, L.A. Fire Department's heavy equipment operators, Los Angeles Animal Services Specialized Mobile Animal Rescue Team, and vacuum truck operators from Los Angeles Sanitation and Environment. Wow, that's they quite the response. They everything they got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the L.A. Uh, fire Department said that they took nearly three hours to dig the 1,200-pound horse out of her sinkhole and uh, oh, and wow. bring her back to solid ground Um yeah, look at that. It's amazing that she didn't suffer any type of injuries to her limbs. Yeah. Three hours they worked to dig this this horse out. Yeah, poor thing. Talk about look standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow. Yeah. ABC7 doesn't demonetize us. No. Well, I understand friends. they want their video. I get it. <laughs> um, this next story, I had to. I had to. Are we keeping the balloons up for Mama? I think for one more story. Okay. Yeah. Um, this story I had to. I had to do. It's about a mankini. Have you heard of a mankini? Do you, well, importantly, do you have a mankini? No, um, <laughs> but if there were any story that would get us demonetized, it's probably going to be this, this one. This is going to be see. it. This is going to be it. Okay, a mankini is like a bikini, kind of, like a very skimpy swimsuit for men. Okay. And this guy who is an Olympic equestrian, mm -hmm. not a bad looking dude, right? Australian, right? He's from Australia. He, he's already... Which explains a lot, like, in terms of the story. Yeah. He's an Olympic equestrian. So, but he went to this jumping uh, horse show where you're a hunter-jumper, right? And I guess it was a bit of a wacky show. And he had three different costumes. The first one was Mr. Duff from The Simpsons. The second one was a gorilla in a bright orange mankini. And the third one was just the mankini. He 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 is kind of saying it's all in good fun. He is just trying to get a laugh, make people, you know, chuckle a little bit in the stands. But not everybody appreciated appreciated this whole thing. Equestrian Australia informed him they'd received complaints about his outfit. They said you stand down from competition pending an investigation into whether or not you have violated Equestrian Australia's code. Can you imagine of having that job, the horsey uh, investigator? Ah, you know, it's a rough job. They said uh, he said, I don't think it's anywhere in the code of conduct what you can and can't wear in fancy dress costume. I guess it was whether I was bringing the sport into disrepute or something like that. But my intention was always to keep it fairly lighthearted. So and we do have video. Let's watch it. When Olympic equestrian Shane Rose decided to take it off, he didn't mean his helmet. Shane mounted his horse, wearing a mankini. That's Australian. <laughs> you know, a mankini like the one Borat once wore. To promote his movie, the Australian Olympic medalist bounced around on a towel. I can never unsee this. Covering his saddle with not much else covered. When I first put it on, I was like, this doesn't work. <laughs> 
So Shane says he used a hat to cover his front and wrapped himself in electrical tape to hold things in place. The event was meant for costumed riders. Shane also dressed up as Duffman, the beer spokesperson in The Simpsons. Get duffed! But it was the mankini that provoked a single spectator complaint. The sports governing board suspended Shane while his conduct was reviewed. How did he review the mankini? Not the most comfortable uh, equipment and becomes less comfortable on a horse. Fans rallied to Shane's support. One woman even simulated a mankini in sympathy. In no time, Shane cleared the final hurdle. Equestrian Australia cleared him, saying there was no breach of the code of conduct. Now he's back to wearing breeches. Just as Borat picked himself up and dusted himself off, so did Shane. Without shame for being man enough to man a mankini. Genie Mouse, CNN, New York. Before today, mankini was not in my vocabulary. Your lexicon. Mm -hmm. My lexicon. Now mankini is going to be highly in my lexicon. I don't yes. think it's a, a good look on anybody. I'm impressed that he had to put a hat over it and that he had to tape himself in. I'm thinking, wow, what's, what are you packing down there, Mr. Mankini? Depends on the size of the hat. Oh. <laughs> Heather, Heather saying, fun fact, horses are farted on more than any other animal. <gasps> Is that true? Oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, it's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, it's a joke, but it's funny. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it really, you're going to be offended. It's a, it's a joke. That's it's why it was very Australian. It's well, Australian it's, you know, the horseback riding show competitions can be very, they're, you know, English hunter jumper. They can be very snotty, snozzy. And so maybe there was somebody who, you know, was all about the sport and the respect for the sport that was all got their nose twisted. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this next story is about the cosmos. Uh, you ready for it? Yeah, bring it. It got really dark there for a second. Oh, and then it got... <laughs> And then it was the wrong color. Yeah. I got a clicky finger today. I apologize. That's okay. Um, this next story is about the cosmos. And uh, John's trying to do too many things at once. This is about the scientists discovering water on asteroids for the first time. Have you heard about this? Uh, kind of. I kind of think this is interesting. Yeah. And what could have come out of Apple TV's uh, space drama for all mankind, scientists have made an astonishing discovery on the surface of asteroids. Water. This finding a collaborative effort between NASA and the German Space Agency. Did you know there was a German Space Agency? I mean, I, doesn't every country have a space agency? I don't think they all do. Here but, in America, uh, we have the Space Force. Because they're not all launching, you know, things. But I guess maybe <laughs> a lot do of Do we have NASA studying. or do we have the Space Force? And what's the difference between NASA and the Space Force? Um, one is um, exploring and, uh, you know, looking for answers. And mm -hmm. the other one wants to plan on killing the aliens. Oh, okay. <laughs> space force is part of the military oh. but i mean i think they're concerned with like the um the nuke the nuke that um russia is trying to develop so, to mm -hmm. to shut this down uh, yeah you know um satellites um yeah one's military and one's exploratory and scientific um and they both take a lot of money yeah. the german space agency is dlr and they it marks the first time water has been detected on the celestial bodies offering new insights into the origins of water in our solar system and potentially across the solar system, other solar systems as well. The research focused on four silicate rich asteroids employing the 
Forecast Instrument. That's the name of it, acronym F-O-R-C-A-S-T. The Forecast Instrument aboard the retired SOFIA, Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy. That's a mouthful. Otherwise known as SOFIA. It captures mid-infrared spectral signatures that are uh, indicative of molecular water, right? So Mm -hmm. it's all about the infrared signatures. Out of those, two asteroids named Iris and Massalia show unmistakable signs of water molecules on their surfaces. Um, They detected a feature that is unambiguously attributed to molecular water on asteroids Iris and Massalia, according to the lead author of the study, a scientist at the Southwest Research Institute. Uh, They said they based their research on the success of the team that found molecular water on the sunlit surface of the moon. And we thought that we could use Sophia to find the spectral signature on other bodies. So that's pretty cool. Uh, This discovery is significant because asteroids are considered remnants from the early days of our solar system. By uh, studying their composition, scientists can glean information about the distribution of materials, including water, during the solar nebula phase. So that's what NASA is concerned with. Mm -hmm. Space Force is uh, concerned with blowing stuff up. I just found an article (laughs) from Popular Mechanics about five differences between the two agencies. Okay. Observation versus reconnaissance. NASA right. to observe Space Force recon, right? Right. Planetary defense versus national defense. Planetary defense, NASA. National defense, um, the uh, Space Force. And space... in terms of planetary defense for NASA, they mean like blowing up asteroids potentially? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, space versus cyberspace. I did not know that Space Force military missions extend into cyberspace. The distinction what? is the natural environment versus the digital one. Yeah. I guess Space Force does digital or cyber stuff as well. That doesn't make sense because we have we have departments. There's a department of the FBI. NSA, like other stuff. I don't know. There's I guess an, they delve into of, cyber I mean, there's space. Like, um, there's like a, um, uh, a group. I, I think three of the agencies work together on a task force to deal mm-hmm. with cyber threats. Um, what does that have to do with space? I don't know. Building versus fostering. NASA's been pushing space settlement and space-based industrial projects for years. Uh, military, apparently, necessity often leads to innovations that have civilian applications. So, Like the internet. Yeah, that they want to open new markets, establish new standards and norms for Space Force. Processes, protocols, and standards. Ready on the day versus always ready. NASA, it could take years for them to be ready, right? Space Force. Wait, they want to open new markets. So they're talking about like ready. putting a Whole Foods on the moon? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Interesting. Okay. They let do us have really good cheese. Government cheese? <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. Very good, Kim. Let's talk about this turtle. Uh, um, now, this is not in the animal section. So no, I have a feeling this is not going to be good news. It's not a feel good story. Yeah. But I'm. I'm hopeful that maybe they'll find one somewhere out in the wild. This is the last giant turtle of her kind, and she just died at a Chinese zoo. There apparently are four or five males left, but she was the only female. So with her dies dies out the species, right? She was a female Yangtze giant softshell turtle, and she passed away at a zoo in China where she's lived since 2008. She was put under anesthesia during a fifth attempt to artificially inseminate her because they were trying to save the species from extinction. But this time she never woke up. There are only three male Yangtze giant softshell turtles left. Uh, 
but the death of the last female makes this species functionally extinct. Now, they couldn't just retrieve the eggs. Well, apparently we've got a problem with an IVF now, Karen. So, you know, all bets are off. No, I don't, I don't, I think it's easier to inseminate. So they were going that route. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, they say it's tragic. The only known female of the species has died. The real tragedy here is that the species has been decimated. I, we have, uh, decimated means they killed every 10th one. So I guess maybe right. that's not accurate. Uh, this species has been killed to you near extinction. You know who extinction. would appreciate you uh, making Greg, that distinction? Greg Jarrett, yes. Greg Jarrett. Uh, hunting, hunting and habitat destruction, what led to the um, now extinction of this species. So they found her, though, in 2008, brought her to the zoo in hopes that she would successfully mate with a 100-year-old male. They didn't reproduce naturally. So then the conservationists decide to try artificial insemination. Again, several attempts, ends up dying on the fifth one. Wait, a 100-year-old male? Was this like the turtle uh, version hey, of the uh, Playboy Mansion? I guess 100-year-old turtles are still, they still got Hello, go ladies. That's right. I mean, you know, they age differently than we do. Yeah, um, Heather saying he needed turtle Vi Viagra. He did. The, I guess, and here's where I have hope, all right? The species is famously elusive in the wild. So it's possible that there's still a female hiding somewhere in the forests of China or Vietnam, and it's a matter of keeping her habitat safe and finding her. She's probably hiding from the humans. Probably hiding. She's like, you're not going to inseminate me. Get, get away <laughs> from me with that thing. Anyway, She's like, I don't want to be with a hundred year old turtle. It's gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. There you go. Well, yeah. So if their animal story is sad, mm -hmm. don't put it in the animal, the happy animal. <laughs> no. no. That's a happy stunt, the happy segment. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, this next story is here's a photo. A DC man says he's owed $340 million after an incorrect winning Powerball number. Uh, or the numbers were posted. So these are the Powerball numbers. They were incorrect, and they were posted. They matched his ticket. Posted and where? Now, um, this was in Washington, D.C. 60-year-old man. He thought he became an overnight multimillionaire, but now he'll have to argue in court to retrieve the $340 million fortune. He says Powerball unlawfully denied him. Was, uh, it on, was it posted on the official lottery website? Um, so his John Cheek's January 2023 Powerball ticket indicated he'd won $340 million. But when Ooh. he attempted to redeem the prize, he got denied and told to throw his jackpot uh, in the trash can, according to the complaint. Cheek's suit alleges that he was deprived of his winnings due to unlawful collusion by Powerball, the Multi-State Lottery Association, and Tuauti Enterprises, a D.C.-based digital advertising agency that operates the D.C. lottery website. Oh, it right. was the official website. So the named defendants did not honor the uh, the posted winning Powerball numbers oh. that matched his lottery ticket, according to the lawsuit. Uh, USA Today contacted Powerball. Um, they did not receive response from them or the Multi-State Lottery Association or this uh, company that handles the website. This is not merely about the numbers on a website. It's about the reliability of the institutions that promise life-changing opportunities mm. while heavily profiting in the process, according to Cheek's attorney. We intend to collect every penny to which Cheeks is entitled to, um, to right this wrong. Uh, how did Cheeks find out he won? The answer was further down in the story, Kim. Cheeks mm. bought the winning ticket <laughs> January 6, 2023 from a licensed retailer, according to the suit. Uh, he said that he chose the ticket's numbers by using family birth dates. The mm -hmm. Cheeks uh, numbers were 7, 15, 23, 32, and 40. 
case you're, you want to use those numbers, no. with a Powerball number of two. All the numbers that he played are totally common, significant related numbers to me in my life. The live drawing of the numbers happened on January 7th, but Cheek said he didn't rush to check the ticket due to him being exhausted as hell from meeting with his accountant that day. <laughs> if he thought his accountant was busy that day. Unbeknownst to Cheeks, the winning numbers on the website that day matched the ticket that he bought. When Cheeks checked the DC Lottery website the following morning, he said that he'd, it, it, he saw that he had won due to the numbers matching, but the odds and the odds of winning Powerball are like one in 292 million. Yeah. He couldn't believe his eyes, so he turned the laptop off, unplugged it, took it down, started it up again. He there were the numbers rebooted. again. He wow. rebooted. Yeah, he rebooted. Uh, although Cheeks had, uh, although Cheeks had possibly one millions, he recalled not being excited but exhausted and numb. And that's interesting. From uh, with a clear head, he called a friend who told him to take a picture of the winning ticket because you never know what could go wrong. And he held off from redeeming the ticket that day so he could wait and meet with advisors beforehand. Um, now they're saying the people who operate the website are saying that the um, the numbers were a mistake. The uh -huh. DC lottery website I agree with showed this the guy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> if if you log on to the official website and it right. says you're a winner, you right. should be a winner. Right. Wrote and, and the wrong were numbers were posted for three days. Oh no, they owe him. Lori yeah. says they were doing site maintenance at the time. Well, yeah. By January 10th, the numbers on the website had changed and differed from the ones that had been shown since January 7th. That's not during cool. an, an administrative hearing. The company claimed that it had accidentally posted Cheek's numbers to the DC website January 7th, saying the suit. Mm -mm. So they're saying they accidentally posted them. The company then said that the mistake wasn't removed from the website until January 9th. Um, that the numbers were erroneously posted on the DC lottery site explains why Cheek's personal numbers didn't match the numbers Cheek saw when he went to a licensed retailer and checked his ticket against what was posted at the office of the lottery and gaming claiming center in DC, right? While he was at the claim center, one of the officials told Cheeks to throw the ticket away in the trash because we're not gonna pay you for it. I gave the guy a look and I said, I think I'll just keep this. He looked yeah. at me and I walked out. Uh, that was a very humiliating day. Um, so they said in uh, in the court documents, the company that operates the website said that Cheeks attempt, att that his attempted scheme is a way to capitalize on an obvious error. Rather than posting random numbers on a test website, uh, as intended, they were mistakenly posted on the DC lottery website. That sounds so, like a them problem, not a right. him problem. Lori says, yeah, they were doing site maintenance at the time. You know what? If you're doing site maintenance, take your site down, put a little strip up that says this website is undergoing maintenance. That well, way. Well, yeah, and it sounds like if that was, uh, she's saying maintenance, what they're saying is that they were, it was a test website. So they, they, I used to be in this business. You'd yeah. have, you have your, you have your production server and you have your, your test server. You have, you know, the server that you design the website and then you sure. push it, you push after you have it and you check it and then you push it to the public website. Yeah, and but it went, it went out to the public website. It went out to the public by accident. So yeah. they posted random numbers on a test website. But this is one of those distinctions where it's like, dude, it's on you. I think it's on, uh, it's, I think it's on them. Mama says, give that man his money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, that's, I, that's, it's legally, I think that's tricky. You, you say the, you check the website, we check the website. That's the Numbers right. matched. Numbers yeah. matched. For three days, you said the numbers matched. Yeah, I think they need to eat it. Yeah, they need to eat it. And I yep. know $348 million is a lot, but at least they can come to some type of settlement. They're the ones that messed that up. Absolutely. Right. I'm all worked up. Let's take a break. <laughs> Kim needs to take a break. John needs to scroll down to the video section. Do you want a little Archie? I do. Can we have Archie today? I do like okay. an Archie. Yeah. There we go. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. For a dollar a day, you could help feed a very moody three-year-old cat with a taste for turkey 
and chicken. Every day across this world, cats go 30 minutes without food and don't know where to turn. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Thank you for your consideration. Are you hungry? You want food? A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The After Party, live. Woohoo! Naked! Thank Woo. you so much to our ongoing contributor, Lori D, Julie S, and Karen C. Yeah, thank you guys and so much. To Mama Day Three Boys for your ten dollars. Thank you very much. And happy birthday, Mama Day Three Boys. This is They're a very awesome. small budget operation, yeah. but everything's fifty-fifty between Kim's children and my cat. <laughs> Archie says Judy W. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I had to go down to the garage to get um, a bag of food. I realized I was out. Mm -hmm. And Archie's not going to be happy if he wakes you up in the morning and there's mm -hmm. no food. No. Um, I do want to ask you guys, if you could, to please click the like button. We forgot to ask yeah. earlier. So please click the like button. Please subscribe if you're please up Please share for... the show on Facebook. Um, share it all. Our yeah. viewers are down this month. Contributions uh -oh. are down everything. But it sounds like it's down across the board with other yeah. shows. Um, yeah. So we're really down. So anything, anything you do to help share and promote the show this month, it would really help. We are trying to grow it and trying to keep doing it. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, we don't for the want help. to trend in the wrong direction. No. Can we talk about whales? Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the mystery of the whale song <clears throat> is apparently being unraveled by scientists. <clears throat> the whale song, go ahead. No. Wow. Ooh. It was an attempt, I'll there. give you that. Yeah, the whale of, turned into Satan there for a second. <laughs> it also was mysterious, as is the whale song. Yeah, I'll have to work on practice. How baleen hours. whales, which include humpbacks, are able to sing underwater has eluded scientists since whale songs were first discovered more than 50 years ago. While toothed whales, which include dolphins and killer whales, develop a vocal organ in their nose to produce sound, baleen whales are taught to use a larynx or voice box in their throat to do so. This all comes from the journal Nature. It was published uh, recently. A baleen whale's larynx is shaped differently from other mammals. It's got long, rigid, cylinder-like cartilages that form a U-shape. The structural adaptation allows the whale to breathe massive amounts of air in and out while they go to the surface. Its respiratory tract um, and evolved nasal and oral plugs protect the airways from water when they breathe and when they eat. Uh, the air sacs also evolved in a way that allows the whales to recycle air while creating vocal sounds, according to researchers. So they've tried to figure out <clears throat> how they vocalize and when they vocalize. So they com com created, the scientists, computer models of whales' voice boxes that simulate aspects that they couldn't measure in the lab, like the effect of <clears throat> muscle contractions on sound production. Through the simulation, researchers found the whales' voice box has completely novel mechanisms not described in any other animal. Among the specialized structures, a fatty cushion that vibrates when air is pushed out from the lungs, allowing whales to create low-frequency sounds underwater to communicate over long distances. Fatty because cushion, they have to huh? find each other, right? I think you we all now? have one of those. Fatty cushion? <laughs> I have a lot of fatty cushions. 
Absolutely. I'm sitting on one right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, not this kind of fatty cushion. But that's interesting as they try to figure out, you know, what this mechanism is and how, how it works. So um, the apparently a lot of boating noises can mask calls between whales, reducing the distance over which they can communicate. Yeah. Um, and so the can thought you hear me is... Now? Can you hear me now? But on my eye. <laughs> my reception's <laughs> horrible. I don't know. There's all these boats. What they're thinking is um, they have to, we have to, humans have to change the kind of noises we make and when we make it so that we mitigate human noise and allow whales to have the noise of the ocean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we need them to poop, right? To fertilize the oceans. We do need that. And we need them back. to vomit so that they, they can turn that into perfume. Exactly. Yes. Jenny T. $10 super sticker. A, thank you. Is that a Barbie she has in there? It's a barbified photo. Oh, cute. And she ran, ran it through the Barbie filter. Very cute. Very cute. Thank you, um, Jenny T. Thank you, Jenny T. $10. That, that really helps. Karen, yeah. uh, with a super sticker for a uh, oh. super chat for $250. Archie, feed that cat real food, not kibble. <laughs> Archie gets a blend. Archie gets a blend, but it's all um, blue buffalo. So mm -hmm. it's not cheap stuff. There's no, no grain. It's mm -hmm. no grain. It's all high protein. Um, so it's decent. Um, it's the closest thing I can afford to, uh, you know, like cutting up chicken. Actually, Archie when I try to cut up chicken, loved. when I try to cut up chicken, he won't eat it. Even if it's, really? you know, plain chicken, he doesn't like it. Oh. Yeah. So, and he doesn't like fish. When he was younger, he would eat fish, like Archie's fish flavored. Picky. My dog will eat anything. And he doesn't like Including fish anymore. Including plastic, toys, remnants, whatever you leave around, she'll eat. So thank you, Karen. And then also Heather, Powerball <laughs> winnings for Archie, $5 uh, super chat. Thank you. We appreciate Very it. Very nice. Okay. Um, speaking of food, scents. Familiar scents can mm. unlock memories in people with depression. Huh. Could smell therapy help patients? This is interesting. Study after study, and we know about those studies, mm -hmm. have shown that people with depression have trouble recalling specific memories. They might oh. hear the word party, for instance, and think, I don't get invited to parties very often. Mm -hmm. By contrast, someone without depression could hear the word party and immediately recall a childhood, a childhood birthday party or a recent celebration at a friend's house. It's not that depressed patients don't have memories. It's that they're having trouble accessing them. Oh, Young, uh, this is uh, Professor Young at uh, University of Pittsburgh, um, and she may fa have found a key. A study published Tuesday in JAMA, With JAMA? Uh, from her and her team <laughs> suggests that familiar sense could help unlock those memories. In the study, people with depression recalled more specific memories when they were exposed to familiar scents such as ground coffee or tobacco. When I smell ground coffee, I think about my stint working at Pete's. <laughs> <laughs> And every time I came home and took a shower, poof, the ba the bathroom would just smell like espresso. So when the, are you when saying, the hot water hit your hair? Are you saying that if if we provide people with depression with the smell of stale beer and cigarettes, they might remember the last big rager they went to, or they might remember their childhood? Uh, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> they might remember the trailer park. In the study, people with depression recalled more specific memories when they were exposed to familiar scents, such as uh, ground coffee or tobacco, as I said, mm -hmm. than, they, uh, than when they heard words that correspond to those smells, such as coffee or cigarette. The findings suggest that smell therapy could help people with depression avoid overthinking. Being able to recall specific memories associated with better problem-solving skills and better emotional regulation um, maybe I should do some sniffing. 
The study included 32 adults with clinical depression. Participants were asked to sniff 24 odor samples from glass jars, which could be pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant. The scents included orange, lavender, vanilla, cumin, whiskey, red wine, Mm. uh, ketchup, that would remind me of working at McDonald's, cough syrup, disinfectant, and chew polish. Uh, Participants were then asked to share a specific memory from their life in response to those cues. The researchers conducted the same exercise using 24 words that described each smell. About 68% of the participants could recall specific memories in response to odors, whereas only 52% could recall specific memories after hearing words out loud. Um, So that's interesting. If you want to read more about it, it's uh, it's on NBCNews.com, Familiar Sense. Interesting. Yeah. When I think of, you know, things I want to remember, like when my kids were little... I yeah. guess the smell of baby poo and vomit would trigger those memories. Oh, I don't know. Can't you pick another scent? <laughs> yeah, the Mustella. Baby, uh, maybe Mama Day Three Boys knows this. Mustella is, um, it's a European baby shampoo. And I picked it because the standards of what the United States considers healthy and the, the additives in their shampoo are different and yeah. not as good as Europeans. And so this Mustella has this fresh little baby scent. Oh. It'll forever remind me of fresh baby head, which is amazing. Little fresh, you know. Oh, smell okay. little head. <laughs> like what? No, uh, no, no. Don't even uh, go there. <laughs> you smell their little. You sniff when you're breastfeeding. I was you like, smell what are you little... sniffing? Uh, Stop. Um, uh, Heather uh, on on cats and cat food. Heather says my kitty refused to eat anything but kibble. She hated um, she hated people food, wet food, fancy cat food, etc. She was weird, but she was the goodest girl. And Lori Aww. making a good point. Um, you know, she says she's transferring her cats from raw diet to canned food due to the expense. Um, unfortunately, I'm including some dry for teeth with raw teeth have no uh, tartar because uh, uh, bits of bones um, need some friction. Yeah, so that's the other thing. You don't want to completely go on wet food because they don't get that dental cleaning from eating um, the, the kibble. So mm-hmm. uh, our vet, uh, our cheese vet said it's best to mix it up. And he also has the dental cleaning uh, treats. But I was told to limit the treats. I was giving him way too many back before his diet started, and he's only allowed three treats per day. And uh, I throw them, and he hunts them. $5 from BA Wear. Happy Friday. Here's to all of us. Oops. Oh, Here's to all of it. us who made it through another week of faking adulthood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, BA Wear. We appreciate it. You should always be aware. Do we have um, time to talk about this bog body? Of course. We've got plenty of time. This is Vitrup Man. Vitrup Man. He he violently died in a bog 5,200 years ago. That went dark. It really is quite a dark story. Turns out he's no different than people of victims of crime on the streets of San Francisco. In about 5,200 years ago, Vitrup man's life ended violently. He was found in a peat bog northwest of Denmark. And because he was in the peat, his body was well-preserved. Well, researchers used advanced genetic analysis to tell the unexpected story of Vitrup Man. He's now the oldest known immigrant in Denmark's history. They DNA'd him. He wasn't from there. No. We don't like your kind. (laughs) That's exactly what they think might have happened. Yeah, no joke. 
His right ankle bone, his lower no, left joke. shin bone, Thank you, President his, Biden. his jaw bone, his fragmented skull, all found alongside a wooden club. Researchers estimate he died after being hit over the head at least eight times with a wooden club sometime between 3100 B.C. and 3300 B.C. So he's analyzed, the results of which were published in the journal Nature. About ge- ge- Denmark's, the, 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 that's all, folks. About Denmark's genetic prehistory. Please stop imitating me. <laughs> that sequenced the genomes of 317 ancient skeletons. Some of the same researchers decided to conduct an individual study of Vitrup Man after his DNA revealed he was genetically distinct from the rest of the Danish Stone Age population. And so it looks like he was a Stone Age migrant. He just got separated from his tour group, says Heather. That's right. Heather's on a roll today. She really is. Uh, They had uh, a lot of things were different about him. His diet went from being that of a hunter-gatherer to a farmer before he died. They think he was between the ages of 30 and 40 when he died. They think that he was born and grew up along the coast of the Scandinavian peninsula, maybe Norway, Sweden area, but not Denmark. He was genetically closest to people from those regions and had darker skin than the Stone Age communities in Denmark. So you see what happens here. Racism is as old as time. Why is the fish in that drawing smiling? Is there a smiley fish? Oh, there is. Happy fish. You know, I think everyone was happy to see. Maybe he's dazed. Dazed and confused. You notice how dark he is in the drawing? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can relate. They say Vitrup Man (laughs) had a remarkable life course before he was killed and thrown into the swamp. That... (laughs) So this one researcher who's looked into these cultures for more than 40 years, um, he said... The question was, how did Vitrup Man end up with a smashed skull in a peat bog? They will never know the exact answer. But here's what they here's the possibilities. Either he's killed as a sacrifice, which was a common practice at that time, or perhaps uh, he's killed in a different fashion. Maybe he was a slave held in captivity. Maybe he was like on the streets of San Francisco, killed in a conflict or robbed and killed. They don't know exactly. Maybe he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. By a bog while being dark. Who knows? Just for the record, people are robbed and killed on the streets of every major city, not just San uh, Francisco. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Have you been to St. Louis or East St. Louis? Uh, apparently it's dangerous. Memphis? Yeah. Um, Milwaukee? But the interesting story about Baltimore Vitrup Man is yeah. that he is just different from everyone else there. And so how did he get there? How did he die? These are questions that we'll never know. Yeah. The end. Or the man. Yeah. Um, this Ooh. is also an old the story about something old. He has nipples. <laughs> he or she? <laughs> oh. Are those man boobs or are those just boobs? Um, uh, it's hard to tell. Activists bombard a British the British Museum's social media with calls for the return of an Easter Island statue. The British Museum is facing renewed calls to return a huge moi. Is it moi? M O A I moi. I Maui, Maui. I say Maui. Maui. Ma- Ma- Maui. Someone in the uh, chat probably knows. Yeah. Mao statue. Um, we could we could research it and uh, come back on Monday with the answer. Uh, sparked by, uh, so they want them to return the statue to Easter Island, and it was sparked by a social media campaign by Chilean activists. Easter Island, known as uh, Rapa Nui, uh, in the local language, and uh, Isla de 
Pascua in Spanish, uh, is a Chilean dependency in the Pacific Ocean that is famous for uh, these statues that dot the landscape. You know, you're familiar with them. You've seen them before. Islanders carved the enormous Paleolithic structures in the shape of human heads to commemorate their ancestors, believing that they represent incarnations of dead relatives. Social media influencer Mike Milford, who has seven and a half million followers on TikTok, has made a number of posts about the these statues on at the British Museum, an eight-foot-tall basalt figure known as Hoa Hakanai, lost oh, yeah. or stolen friend, which was taken without permission. Oh, he was a stolen Aww. friend in 1868. Um, and I actually I did see this statue when I was. Oh, really? At the British Museum. Yeah. Here's how to pronounce it. Ready? Monoamine yeah. oxidase inhibitor. No, nope. no, that's not right. Monoamine <laughs> oxidase inhibitor. No, Monoamine oxidase inhibitor. <laughs> no, that's incorrect. <laughs> nice try, Cam. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what happens when you try to do something live, right? Mm. Uh, the campaign has led to a flood of comments on Instagram posts from the British Museum, uh, with many including the phrase, Duvel, Duvel van el moi, or give the moi back. In response, the museum deactivated comments on one post. So uh, it's made in conjunction with the museum's youth outreach uh, program. So there are all these posts, right? Because social media is a big part of the museum. Uh, Joey Moai. says it's Moai. Mm-hmm. It's just Moai. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you, Joey. Moai. I sound less ignorant now. Thank you, Joey. Um, Chilean President Gabriel Boric also mentioned the campaign in an interview with a local radio station. So, yeah, uh, I think... I think they need to. The, the British Museum is horrible. When you realize, when you look, you walk around, and you realize, all of, everything's stolen, right? Everything's uh, scooped from other cultures and taken there. Now yeah. this one was apparently stolen by someone and then given to what Queen Victoria? Is that what happened with it? Yeah, I didn't have that detail. Um, I think it was given, and so that's in the Victoria and Albert Museum. But I think if you know better, you do better. So if you know that it was stolen and it was given wrongly, or that the people, the culture, the people of that culture want it back, then you give it back. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 um, it's one of only fourteen made from basalt. Yeah, mm-hmm. donated to the oh donated to the museum by Queen Victoria. Yeah, yeah, right. Who received it as a gift? Okay. So, but you know, gift. You know, people were kissing her butt for how long, right? They're just stealing things from around the world and mm-hmm. presenting gifts to, you know, whoever was queen or king. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's very problematic when you go to England because, you know, based on the history and, you know, the the, the empire around the world, everything's mm-hmm. stolen. And it kind of gives you kind of an icky, an icky figuring. You know, times yeah. have changed now. And I just don't, I don't know. I think there, there should be a discussion about returning things to those countries so they can put them in their own museums, yeah. right? In exactly. England, you can have your the things from your island. You can put those in your museum, right? Especially Unless you if, ask nicely. If the, the people are asking for those back, yeah. then you give it back. Yeah. I mean, hands down. Just like the Hawaiian um, artifacts that are, you know, displayed or or skulls or bodies, like the shrunken heads and all that. Give that yeah. back. That's not yours. Yeah. Right. Anonymous, now going by the name Mars. Saying, don't it's going to take some getting used to. Don't, You're going to have to keep the anonymous, uh, formerly anonymous thing up there for a while to, to like ease me into it, Mars. Still somewhat anonymous. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe. Woo! Yeah, thank you for that. We need the help. Thank you. Uh, here's a story about how Americans define middle class lifestyle. Look at that. They're very middle class, right? Modest house, got a car, everybody looks all right. Um, apparently, Candid most photo. people can't reach middle class 
a poll from the Washington Post finds Americans are pretty much in agreement on what it means to be middle class. But just over a third of U.S. adults have the financial security to actually meet that definition. This is um, due to data from the Federal Reserve. Americans also underestimate the income required for that lifestyle, suggesting that the popular image of middle-class security is more of an aspiration than a reality for most of us. About nine in 10 adults said six individual indicators of financial security and stability were necessary parts of being middle-class. Smaller majorities thought other milestones like homeownership and a job with paid sick leave were necessary. But here's what most people thought that it took to be middle class. You got a secure job. 93% of people said you need a secure job in order to be middle class. I don't know what a secure job is anymore, but okay. Um, 91% of people asked said the ability to save money for the future so that every single cent you have isn't being spent every single month and you manage to save a little bit of something, right? The ability to save money for the future, 91% of people said that's part of being middle class. 90% of people said it's the ability to afford an emergency $1,000 expense without incurring debt. So if your car breaks down, you need new tires, you got to be able to pay for it right then, not charge it, not pay off the debt, that type of thing. That makes you middle class. 90% of people said... You have the ability to pay all of your bills on time without worry. If you're middle class, you can meet those obligations. If you don't, if you can't, you're not middle class. 89% of people asked said having health insurance makes you middle class. What a sad statement. How many people don't have health insurance? Does that mean they're not middle class? So if you're not in the middle class, you just die? I guess so. Is that really what we're going to use our trillions of dollars for to create a society where you have to be middle class to... My, my friend just got a liver transplant. You know what the bill, the bill, luckily, oh he, luckily, he was a government employee mm-hmm. and he only had to pay $250. Do you wow. know what the bills added up to? I'm going to, is it, was it more than a million? No, but getting, I mean, he's not done, but yeah. the bill from just the, the, the organ collection, like giving, getting the organ to him and whatnot, $547,000 just for the liver and uh, the surgery and everything around it. We have a listener that listens after hours and, and always comments on the shows afterwards. The name is Rev. And Rev needs a surgery and can't pay for it. <coughs> Pardon me. Right. But and you so have to be is... in the middle class to have health care. I think that's, that's right. wrong. I think it's unethical. So we're not standing by our people. Anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to digress. Uh, 87% digress away. means that you need to have the ability to retire comfortably. How many of us can say that? If you don't have the ability to retire comfortably, you're not middle class. Well, I think that knocks most of us out of the running, right? Other people said, and these didn't make the list, uh, but many people said, 73% said having a job with paid sick leave, 67% time and money for vacations, 60% to own a home, 46% ability to eat at a restaurant whenever you want to do it, and 31% said being middle class means a college education being able to pay for a college education. Yeah. Interesting. What people think middle class is. Uh, 
It means feeling secure about where life is going. That's kind of what all these things wrap up and point in that direction. Just over a third of Americans met all six markers of a middle-class lifestyle. While about nine in 10 Americans have health insurance, three quarters had health insurance, uh, only three quarters had health insurance and a steady job. With each added measure of financial security, more Americans slipped away from the middle-class ideal. With each one of we read, you're out, you're out, you're out. Yeah. Liver, um, Lori say on the liver transplant, uh, the anti-rejection drugs for life will cost mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, that's why I say he's not done. Just yeah. the initial surgery was 547000 Yeah. Um, the bottom line is your income does not guarantee a middle class. So. Yeah. And I think it just, it, it brings up those questions of like, what kind of society do we want to have? Mm-hmm. You know, there's trillions of dollars. There are people who are billionaires. Do we want our society to just allow rampant greed? While other people who are hardworking um, or disabled just suffer? Like, is that the society we want to live in or can we do better? Are we really number one if it's all about just making money? What about taking, what about the quality of life for your citizens? You know? Judy says, I remember when I had my burn accident. Oh, Judy. Uh, and I'm I had to have Judy. skin graft surgery. Ouch. I saw a medical bill for about $125,000. That was 23 years ago. That's Ouch. insanity. Yeah. Mama doesn't qualify for middle class. Mm. We are reaching the end. Do you want to do one entertainment story? Sure. Why don't we do that? Um, Do you want... How about we do Beyonce? Because I don't know how this one's going to hold. But Beyonce has topped the country chart. Welcome. Yeah. Her song is called Texas Hold'em. I haven't heard it. I have to listen to it today. It debuted in the top spot of Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart this week. Her other new country song, 16 Carriages, ranks number nine on the chart, marking her first ever number one single on the country charts. Beyonce becomes the only other woman, solo woman, with no accompanying artist to achieve that feat next to Taylor Swift, whose songs Love Story, Taylor's version, and All Too Well, Taylor's version, hit number one in 2021. Beyonce, also the first woman to have topped both the hot country and the hot R&B hip-hop song charts since the list started in 1958. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, 16 Carriages and Texas Hold'em released February 11th after Beyonce teased the release of new music in a surprise uh, in the Super Bowl ad. Did you see that? In the Super Bowl ad, she said, I'm dropping new music. Yeah, I found so, the ad, the, those ads confusing because they were just oh. like like hypercut. They just kept jumping around. And I'm like, I didn't know if it was a joke or if it was serious. Yeah, she's serious. Mm-hmm. Her album is going to be released on March 29th. It's called Renaissance Act 2. So congratulations to Beyonce for crossing over to the country charts. Yee-haw. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for taking us to the end of the after party, Beyonce. Thank you for being so here, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Mama Day Three Boys jumping in with a $10 super sticker. And happy birthday, Mama. Be thinking about you. Uh, Jenny T, you're awesome. $10. Thank you so much. Karen with a $250 feeding for Archie. Uh, Heather with a $5 Powerball winnings for Archie and then BA Ware for $5. Thank you all. You guys and are our awesome. ongoing contributors, Lori D, Julie S, and Karen C. Yeah. It's tough times at the after party this month because it is February 2024. <laughs> Have a great afternoon, everybody. Have a great yeah, afternoon, thank Kim. Thank you, guys. Click the like and subscribe. Have a great afternoon, you guys. See you tomorrow. Oh, when? Monday. No, have a great weekend. <laughs> Bye. Bye.